0: Welcome to InScope, the healthcare security podcast. Each episode we bring you interviews, technical tips, and a unique point of view on the challenges facing the ever-changing healthcare ecosystem. Here's your host, Mike Murray. Welcome to this week's episode of InScope, the healthcare security podcast. As always, I'm Mike Murray, host and CEO of Scope Security and uh, just all around fan of all things cybersecurity and healthcare. Consider myself lucky to get to hang out with all of my esteemed guests. And this week I'm really excited. I have with me Pranav Patel from Meditech Safe and the interesting thing, Pranav and I met and we we both overlapped at our time at GE Healthcare, but we didn't really know each other back then. And I'm sure we were in a meeting or two as most large companies, but we we met recently and uh and bonded over our shared love of medical device cybersecurity. So Pranav, welcome to the podcast.
1: Great to be here, Mike. Looking forward to a great conversation. I think GE uh, Bridge definitely helps here as well.
0: <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. It's funny. You go out into the world and you meet all these GE alumni, and you have anybody who's spent any time at Crotonville speaks similar language, right?
1: That's right. I used to say at one point, you know, you see a GE guy or a girl, and you know it in probably a few minutes. I don't know there's maybe a lingo
0: (laughs) yeah no there absolutely is and and i find that we all have anybody who's spent any time there we think we we have some overlapping thought patterns that i think are incredibly interesting and especially in inside of ge healthcare like we really did learn a lot about medical device security in the last decade. And I think GE was at the forefront of a lot of that. And, and there was a lot of the folks there were really working hard on some of those things. And you're not a GE anymore. You're running your own company doing a lot of cybersecurity around medical devices. Maybe tell us what you all are up to and, and sort of how how you're thinking and what you're up to these days and how you're spending your days.
1: Yeah, no, good, good question. And I think what you said is true. GE Healthcare has been ahead in... Things around medical device cybersecurity, I remember when I was running a portfolio of G Healthcare Services, we did start a business that focused around clinical network cybersecurity and medical device cybersecurity great part of it, but it was more services. But anyways, uh, so I, I think that linkage makes sense, and I think the statement that you made made sense, and we worked with a lot of health systems back then, and, and, and they have they've progressed tremendously from that point on. What we do at Meritech Safe is slightly different from what we did there. It was all around services. Here, we actually have a platform, and that platform focuses on medical device cybersecurity, both for providers as well as the medical device manufacturers now. And we do it relatively broadly. So most of my time is spent, well, as a CEO, I can't tell you what my time is spent on, because then I'll be listing 100 things. But the top of my mind remi- remains around educating people, also around, the importance of medical device security, but more importantly, how they should probably think about it to address the challenges that they have and do it in a a most cost-effective manner, if you will.
0: Absolutely. An absolutely important thing. So so what do you think we're getting wrong? You know, you, you, say, you say you're say you educating folks. What are you having to educate on most often? And what do you think that, especially the audience of this podcast, you know, a lot of the provider folks and, and, you know, folks on the medical device side, what do you think that they're not seeing and what are you having to educate on?
1: Good question. You know, there are multiple areas that you can take on. Uh, and I, I think we could probably take it in order, right? The first one is Just how different medical device cybersecurity is to anything else. And then next one is, where is the challenge? But if you think about just for a second, and I had this conversation with, you know, chief information security officer of a relatively large health system. And as the conversation progressed, the person said, look, medical devices are also a computer. And a computer is a computer is a computer. What's the difference? And when I think about it from that person's perspective, I think it's very true because when you're looking at things at scale, right, you're thinking a device on a network and your approach has to be, how can I standardize all the things that I can do so that I have a benefit of scale and effectiveness? But then there are also nuances around it, right? And the nuances come around from the fact that, you know, if your computer is breached, Some of the proprietary information can be compromised or is maybe not available. But when medical device is breached or is not functioning well, you're thinking about patient safety. And the magnitude of impact in the two can be huge. And just take for a second just so that we actually understand what the magnitude of uh, impact could be, right? So colonial a pipeline, we talked about it. It was all over the news, and the ransomware was at you know was for about four point four or five million dollars, and and we think it's a large amount of money, and it certainly is a large amount, a large sum of money. But when you look at what happens in malpractice verdicts, that amount goes to very very large amount. So for example, you know, uh, take an example in in 2018, there was a verdict for 32 million dollars. And if you go look at the verdict for $32 million and what involved was doctors basically forgot, you could use the word forgot, but I don't know what it could be, but forgot to include in the medical record a warning that a patient had been diagnosed with a deadly aneurysm. And eventually this patient went on to a different surgery and not having the information caused complication, problems, and so on and so forth. And that verdict was $32 million. You take the next level, Maryland. Last year, 2019, the verdict was for $230 million. And the reason was doctors and nurses at the hospital gave a teen mother inaccurate information about the seriousness of this to-be-born baby. And the mother was later diagnosed with preeclampsia. So it was just a missing information that caused health issues later on, if you will. And the claims were in hundreds of millions of dollars, not a small amount. So one event, one patient safety incident, people can call it for negligence, and malpractice outcome was in million, hundreds of millions of dollars. You would not see that in just pure data breach. But if the data breach did cause withdrawals of some key patient rec- information from a medical record or a wrong outcome, now all of a sudden the implications are substantially big. So comparing that from a patient's safety perspective changes the game. And you have to treat that completely differently with a clinical mindset than you would otherwise in a very generic standard manner that we do at most of the times. And, you know, we've seen those type of things in practice. There, there have been a cases, for example, when a firewall on a Windows were turned on, and as a result, in a surgery, the equipments were not available, and they had to keep patient under anesthesia for a very long period of time. They ran scans in a telemetry, which got rebooted. So for two to three hours of a downtime, there are many cardiac events were missed. Now, one can characterize those as negligence from a health system perspective. We should have known these implications and you didn't do it. Could have caused potential, it could cause patient safety. So I think these are the level of complexity one may understand when they start to go deeper into it and appreciate to Build a solution. I just wanted to kind of bring those example out to kind of say what the differences are, and that's level of education that I think uh, people need to have.
0: So, with that, what what level do you have to be at to get those folks to think that way? You know, I one of the things that I see is the security people that we talk to; they don't usually understand necessarily the clinical outcomes at that level. And so, how do you bridge the gap? Are you are you spending a lot of time educating the security folks on clinical side, and then the clinical folks on security, or, or, you know, how do you how do you see how that plays? Because I feel like the argument you just made is very nuanced.
1: Yeah, and and that's the challenge. That's why I think it's less. It's more of a leadership challenge than, you know, maybe a security challenge, because, you know, think about all of us, right? And and I, when I say leadership, look. I didn't born into a security field. My last role was a general manager. And quite frankly, I had a portfolio of a lot of digital products and, and, and services. And I didn't think about security as much. So I'm as guilty as anybody else. But the, as a leader, is what we like. We like to host parties. But we don't think about cleaning up afterwards, do we? <laughs> you know, if we find somebody who's going to clean it up, we want to showcase all the stuff, the nice decor that we have. And I translate that into a real world by saying, look, you know, most of the leaders today, the you know, health system leaders, medical device leaders, no, no matter where you go, we talk about digital transformation, we talk about IoT, we want to talk about big data, we want to talk about personalized medicine, we want to talk about telehealth, we want to talk about AI. But then, in, during the, all those conversations, we rarely say, hey, what about cybersecurity? We leave that for the folks behind it. But if we start... because any, all those conversations, we are talking about those clinical implications, right? Because we're talking about clinical outcomes, whether the quality of care, cost of care, better uh, patient experience, you name them all. And in those conversations, exactly when we need to insert the point around cybersecurity, because those, all of them actually have implications to that. When you miss that and you give it to whoever cleans out after your party, well, you know, I think then we're really not to bridge the gap. So that's why I usually say first, if I have to educate somebody, that has to be a leadership by saying, look, you got to start asking a question when you're talking about digital transformation. How are we going to think about cybersecurity? And then the typical thing that we do in an operating side is say, what is the critical to quality? Define what your CTQs are and translate that now to the security team and ask security team what are, your ctqs as you think about cybersecurity for the solution and now you can have the discussion around the trade-off but if the, those two parties aren't really talking in that manner then you're going to have a sub-optimal outcome and then if something goes wrong you just don't know what you did wrong <laughs> and it's probably too late
0: Completely agree. And and one of the things, you just reminded me of something that I think about a lot, which is the argument far too often is cybersecurity is an insurance function. And especially as I talk to a lot of healthcare C-level executives, I hear that insurance argument. But I actually see it as an enabler, right? You can't go out and innovate if all you're doing by creating innovative solutions, whether that's, I mean, all the things you talked about, telehealth and pushing care before, beyond the four walls and remote patient monitoring and all of the things that are hot topics for healthcare executives right now, you can't go do that if all you're doing is making the cybersecurity challenge bigger and making the bre- the potential breach harder, right? And longer and, and more damaging. You have to have a base of security in which to innovate, or you're actually going to go, you know, you're going to go spend $10 million on innovation. It's going to cost you 15 because you just got yourself breached.
1: Yeah, exactly. It's no different than you're talking about interoperability. It's no different than you're talking about a support model, right? Because any times, let's say you're running a procurement process or you're thinking about you know, building whatever the digital transformation strategy that you have, you're going to ask, Hey, who's going to support it? <laughs> you're going to ask, Hey, do I have interoperability issues that's going to create anything else? Cyber security knows, is no different. It is level of support that you're going to need. It is just like an interoperability because to your point, it is an enabler. Your people, the users, right? They don't understand the outcome and they take it for granted because they think you should be providing it. Now, if you educate them and if they understood it and they'll ask that all of a sudden it wouldn't be an afterthought because adoption would not be there if they truly understood all the risk right so on a behalf of, when we're doing something on behalf of them and it is an important critical call it, to quality metric then it has to be part of the requirement <laughs> you know to start with not an afterthought to your point
0: how do you get those folks talking the same language? I mean, the number of, of cybersecurity folks that I have talked to that really speak the language of CTQ and, and all of those sorts of things that you're, you're talking about, that's not usually the language of security folks. Are, are you educating the security folks to speak the business language as well? well
1: we, yeah, I mean, I do. I often take, at least in our business, I would say, when you think about cybersecurity, think about a risk-based approach. And I'll, I'll, I'll take it down in a very simple way. Right. If you're a health system leader, and you can go to your clinical engineering team and say, "Guys, do we have uh, medical device cybersecurity covered?" and they will say, "Well, we don't, but we got it. We patch them all the time." Okay, great. Now you go talk to the IT team or security team that does the whole enterprise wide, and they run their knock and socks, and if you will. And you say, guys, do you have a medical device cybersecurity cover? They go, yeah, we do. We got a, a SOC operation where we take a feed and we do this intrusion detection that's AI-based and we're fine. Well, here's the deal. If you change that and you ask, now tell me, how much of the total risk has been addressed by your intrusion detection system? Or how much of a total risk is addressed by doing product patching? And tell me, do I still have cybersecurity cover or not? Because the reality is, if you do a product, you know, vulnerability patching or management, that's up to 14% of the total risk that you would have from medical device cybersecurity. If you went and did your IDS and anomaly detection and that policy management that's connected, that's another up to 10%. So now you only address 25% of total risk. So what about rest of the 75% of the risk? But you walked away. Thinking because you had conversation, you asked one question to one party, one question to the other party, they both said, yeah, you walked away thinking, oh, good, I got it covered, now I have a false sense of security. But neither of the party that you talked to or I talked to would also know what the total comprehensive risk view is. So from that small siloed or narrower view, they think they addressed it. Right. So there is a level of education that's required at both end. And so if you are a security leader, I would say, you know, how about asking basic questions? What's my total risk and how much risk I'm addressing by each one of the use case? Because look, me or anybody else as a security vendor, what we do, especially for the product side, what we do is we sell a use case, right? And the use case is a use case, as we say. It's not a generic case where it applies for everything else. So you got to understand how much of the use is applied into a particular situation and how much risk reduction would you have, whether it's before or after. It doesn't matter right? Because end of the day, risk is the total impact that you're going to have. So there is a level of education required to both. Now, I can't become a school, (laughs) right? I'll spend my entire career doing that. But when we have a meaningful dialogue with people who are open-minded and willing to take a step back and understand the variables then we have very meaningful conversation. We tell them, do this, 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 and this. And that's not to say whether I solve all the problems that you have or somebody else does it. It's just these are the things you got to go do and pick the best that works for you. And that's what you got to be able to deliver and take that and translate that in the business language so your leaders know exactly what they have covered and what's missing and if they need to do any budget allocation or not. The board would be very well aware because that's their responsibility. And now everybody is aligned. So some of the times, asking those simple questions, they tend to be business-centric questions, but technology feeds into it, could really bring people together, if you will
0: completely agree everything you said on a lot of that. But I'd love to, I'd love to double click on something that you said. You were talking about the 25% of the risk and the 75% residual risk that's left over for the sort of less in the medical device weeds as your world. What is in the rest of that 75% and how do you you know how do you help those folks think about that?
1: You know, there's a lot of things. And the way you would have to think about it is how are the different ways a device or a clinical network can be breached or have been breached previously, just take one scenario, right? I'm just going to give you a simple scenario. If you're giving a patient, home health is becoming a big deal. If you're giving a patient a medical device, the patient takes it at home and plugs it into and connects through the home Wi-Fi, right? Your intrusion detection at the central location is not going to do any good. Because you may not be connected and you may not have access to all the anomaly or, or what that's going on in the home network, that person. But from that person, the patient's perspective, I got this device from the hospital. And I had that. One of my uncle, it's a funny, one of my uncle, very elderly, you know, gentleman, right? He had a pacemaker. And for about, you know, about two weeks, he wasn't being monitored. And he did not know that. I think it came, he got to know it when he got a bill from their local courier of how that was kind of broken in between. And he goes to the he goes to the hospital and care guys and said, look, it was off for two weeks. Did you guys know? They said no. Okay, so they didn't know. He didn't know. What if something would have happened in between? And from his perspective, (laughs) somebody's monitoring it, right? So these are the type of scenarios that you gotta understand. That what's in the network, what's the box, how the devices are, where they are, the patient device, not patient device. Look, here's the thing, right? Every year, on average, 3,000 510 Ks gets approved, which means not all of them not connectable devices. There could be some needles and stuff. But even assume twenty percent of them, you have at least twenty percent of the three thousand devices, either they're new or improvements that you're tracking. The six thousand medical device manufacturers just in United States, let alone all the great companies in Europe and Asia and Africa or so the rest of the world, right? And they all serve and, and, and fulfill different use cases, clinical use cases, right? They operate in different way. So for you to be able to address medical device cybersecurity you got to understand those clinical implications, how they're used, clinical processes, compliance, legal aspects of it. It's just not, hey, can I scan them? Can I see some anomalies? Or can I just patch them? Right? It's beyond that. And, and that's what you got to go, you know, put a pen to the paper, if you will, and understand and get the holistic picture and put a plan around it. And it has to be very operational
0: completely agree and and i don't think anyone is really doing a great job of of pulling that picture together today and we're part of the solution and you guys are a big part of the solution Uh, a lot of other folks are trying to be part of the solution but i'm looking forward to when we can all talk about it a little more comprehensively so pranav uh, you're a busy ceo we've got a million things going on i really appreciate the time today where can the world find out more of your thoughts you know are you going to be speaking anywhere are you on social media
1: yeah no look i you know I speak at a lot of clinical engineering conferences. I speak at a lot of, you know, Ohio's health associations. Obviously, you can visit and learn a lot more on a knowledge center on our website, meditechsafe.com. Social media, we we keep putting things out there. From a non-medical, you know, from OT as a general, we've actually uh, rolled out a course. We have a small little Maddie Agent is a trivia game kind of things that we put out just so that for people who don't understand cybersecurity, this is not for the expert and a like yourself, but this is for, you know, this is for general people who want to just play that trivia game and get a little better educated around what's going on around cybersecurity roles so that rather than them becoming a problem, they're actually our, our advocate and, and protector, if you will. So the multiple video and then follow us on a LinkedIn
0: right on well thank you so much for coming today and uh, and we'll yeah, i'm sure we'll run into each other at hymns and all of the various clinical engineering conferences and it's been great catching up and thanks again for coming on
1: no thank you it's it's always a pleasure speaking to you you're a wealth of knowledge and all you're doing is it's fantastic
0: oh thanks so much thanks for joining us for this episode of InScope. to make sure you never miss an episode hop on over to www.scopesecurity.com to sign up. Or you can listen on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Stitcher. And if you have ideas for topics, guests, or technical tips, please contact us at podcast at scopesecurity.com.